Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to the Thursday edition of Nurses Out Loud with Nurse Michelle. You can find us here every weekday at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern on AmericaOutloud.news with a different nurse host daily. Last week's show for Nurse Michelle was me in the hospital in Maine. And Nurse Jody and Nurse Kimberly interviewed me while I was the hospitalized patient. So if you missed last week's show, please be sure to go and check that out because we exposed um, not only my injury and what happened that led me to getting hospitalized, but we delved into some of the uh, protocols that were in the hospital that were problematic. So as a quick review to let you all know that I am now home to my house in Georgia, but um, sadly, while we were on a wonderful trip to Maine in a gorgeous state with beautiful lakes and rocks and lighthouses and yummy food to eat um, from the shores of Maine, I was out enjoying canoeing with my boys and kayaking with my boys and looking forward to hiking Cadillac Mountain and being at Acadia Mountain State Park and just enjoying the outdoors of the gorgeous fall weather that is there during September and early October of Maine. And we had enjoyed several days of beautiful weather and lovely fun and relaxation. And on last Monday, I told the boys, let's go canoe ourselves out to what we call Fairy Island, which is a lovely little island on the pond that we were staying on where the residents have created these little fairy houses all over this tiny island that's like this two to three inch little miniature village and city all over the island. It's quite lovely. And so we were canoeing out probably about a half mile And we were approaching the island and I noticed the boys were not leading me toward the typical place that we would usually park our boats and where the pebbles are. And I can just get out and walk on pebbles in about four inches of water up to the shore. They were approaching it from a rock area and they said it was better for them to launch from there and to land there. So as we were approaching, my gut told me that this didn't look quite as safe as usual, but I was trying to let everyone make their decisions and I was just going with the flow. And when I put my foot out, my left foot out onto the rock and then still have my right foot still in the boat, either the boat moved or I moved and that left foot actually slipped right out from under me and I busted it on my left hip. And honestly, as soon as I felt the crack 
in of my bones, I knew that something had happened bad to me. But my mind tends toward optimism, and I just wanted to believe it couldn't possibly be as bad as it felt. So I attempted to move to get myself up out of the water and realized I was in such excruciating pain. I had to warn everybody that I was starting to block out and they were going to have to figure out a way to get me safely into the canoe and back to the house. Uh, My next memory is of me being in the floor of the boat with my knees slightly up and seeing my husband rowing me across the lake, the half mile back to the shore. And I thought, oh, this can't be as bad as it looks. And I attempted to move and excruciating pain again, just knocked me out. And I next found myself on the shore with the boys trying to all figure out how to get me safely out of the canoe amongst all the beautiful boulders on the lake edge and up onto the dock. And uh, in their attempt to get me up on the dock, Um, they did one, my husband had hold of me on the left side and I think it was his thumb that must've gone into my ribs and heard my left rib pop and excruciating pain go through my chest wall. So I knew I was pretty much toast by the time I got to the water's edge. And all I could think of is surely I could just, if I could just get up that little cliff, if they could just carry me up that cliff to the house and put me on the couch, I'm sure I'll be fine just watching some movies and missing out on lobster for the night. And it dawned on me with so much pain in my body as they moved me to a chair that I was in serious trouble and needed to call 911. So we ended up having some heroic EMS people show up on the dock and about seven or nine of them happened to be having a fireman's meeting nearby. Thank goodness. Cause we were out in the middle of the country and it took four men to transfer me out of my Adirondack chair into their transport chair and carry me up the little cliff to the house where the ambulance was waiting for me. So I'm so thankful for those EMS men who did that job for me. There were some EMS women there as well, but the ones who carried me were the men. And I was thankful for their muscles and their strength and kudos to them. I hope to be sending them some products soon to thank them because they were wonderful people who were my rescuers that day and got me safely to the hospital. And the first thing that happened upon getting to the hospital was the recognition that the policies and protocols of a hospital system don't tend to make much sense when it comes to the best thing for the patient because they attempted to try and register me from my stretcher. And thank goodness I had somebody there who could do that for me because it just was not even logical to do a stretcher right off the ambulance registration, insurance information at a time like that. So typically in hospitals, um, in Georgia, at least that we've noticed, they do registration at the bedside once you're safely in an emergency room bed and have been triaged. But that did not happen for me. So when we did get back to the emergency room, the charge nurse yelled out that there was no room for me. And I was sent back to the waiting room to sit on a stretcher with pretty significant shivers and chills going on because I was probably starting to have a little bit of shock happen to me because the pain was quite intense. And I started having pretty severe Charlie horses in my muscles of my leg. 
um, that between my left thigh and my left knee. So the pain was pretty bad. I was thankful for the volunteers who were layering me with hot blanket after hot blanket, trying to keep the chills down. When I finally got back to the ER, sadly, um, getting all my medical history was not um, one of the top priority things. And it really perplexed me as a nurse because I have a significant medical history and knew that that would be something really important for them to know, being that I was coming in on an ambulance as a trauma victim. So I had to wait about two hours to get back to the radiography to find out what actually had happened to my hip. And once I was in there, it was protocol for them to think they could just start um, taking off my um, blue jean shorts and undressing me. And I was really nervous about that because as nurses, we know that there's a process that we do it with. So I got um, the nurse to come in there and help my husband help get my blue jeans off um, so that they could take the images. And I requested that they not put me on the radiology table, but to slide underneath me the video, the films that they have to do for their x-rays. And you can make that request as well, because all I could see was just more trauma happening to me with every single move. So probably an hour after that, I finally got to see the surgeon who came in with the bad news that I had a, um, a significantly crushed area in my femur and our femurs on our legs the upper thigh bone has a head and a neck and then the long leg bone. And it was the neck that connects to the ball of the femur that had been crushed up into my uh, the ball of my femur. So that was really bad news. And they broke the news to me that I was going to have to have surgery. And I'm a Georgia girl sitting here in a main hospital It is a state that I already knew had problems when it came to the medical community and mandates. Their governor, who I believe was Governor Mills, had made, had broken Title VII federal law by mandating that everyone in her state who owned a business who gave religious exemptions for the vaccine to their employees would be penalized by her uh, denying them their license to practice a business. So needless to say, a lot of people in Maine were forced, coerced um, with threat of losing their jobs and their ability to provide for their families simply because a governor, an executive of a state, thought that she had the authority to usurp federal law of Title VII. So if some of you have been following me for a while, you know that when I tell you that you should be writing your exemptions, because the answer is always no, until you have gotten some more details. It's not, I am going to go get whatever you tell me to get, just because you say so. Um, Always request a medical or religious exemption to something that you don't feel comfortable getting. And one of the first phrases that I recommend that you say that I learned from Peggy Hall, the healthy American, was this letter serves to notify you that I am invoking my right to religious accommodation under Title VII of the U.S. Civil Rights Act. So that is put there as a first statement in your exemption request, even though I don't even want to call it a request, because you're not actually asking permission from your employer to have a right 
to not get something injected into your body. Rather, you are invoking your right to a religious accommodation. And nobody has any authority to ask you what your religious authority of your denomination or church actually has to say about that matter, because you are an autonomous human being capable of having your own opinions and views and interpretations of the religious books that are affiliated with your religion. I could take it as far to say you can have a religion of yourself and that your religion for yourself is that I don't like to do any personal harm to myself. And my conscience tells me that this product looks like something that might could do harm to me. And therefore I, by my own religious feelings about this matter, it's against my conscientious objection to do so. So no, I'm not going to participate. And if you have not followed me and did not get to hear the interviews with several nurses that I have been working with over this last year that are nursing students trying to get into nursing schools and medical students getting into medical colleges, they are still being forced to get vaccines that um, they have a right to have medical or religious accommodation from. And they there is a lot of intimidation that tends to go along with this of bullying that happens from either the employer or it certainly is a bully that is coming from the governor that's imposing it upon business owners who do not want to lose their businesses in Maine, who felt like they were pressured to do that to their employees, who very likely are their friends. And they may not have wanted to do that, but they also were in threat of losing their livelihood. So even as we pick this vacation spot, which we love to go to, and it is a house that's provided by somebody within my husband's business that is expense-free, we can get the benefit of this beautiful home. And that's a significant thing to take advantage of. So we did travel up into the blue state of Maine where we knew this was a risk. And I'll be honest with you, Nurse Michelle was preparing herself for COVID preparedness because there's outbreaks everywhere. And my boys that I was taking with us that are 22 and 16, they had just recently had what probably was a little small bout of COVID in the week prior to us leaving. So we have been using nasal oral sanitation with 1% iodine nasal cleanse and oral cleanse. And everybody who does not know this, you need to make sure you have it in your home. At the first sign of a snivel, at the first sign of a sore throat, just assume it's COVID or the flu. Do not pitter-patter around thinking, I can do this, or be one of those people who goes and buys NyQuil and puts yourself to sleep trying to get ahead of it. The way to get ahead of it is where it starts in your nose and in your throat. That is where these conditions replicate, and if you can get iodine, into your nose or throat, within 10 seconds, you are going to stop replication and slow it down in its tracks. So my family knows the protocol. So we were using the protocol that Nurse Michelle coined, snort, gargle, nebulize, and supplement. So the snort and gargle are the 1% iodine nasal and oral cleanse. And then the uh, nebulizing, we were nebulizing according to Dr. Brownstein's method of 0.04% hydrogen peroxide with two drops of Lugol's iodine in every hour on the first day of a sickness, okay? And if you are faithful to following that protocol, you will rarely see a day two or three of any significance in your upper respiratory illnesses. And I'll be sure to put that in my show notes so you'll know how to get those things, what you should have in your home and nebulizers and things like that. 
And um, I've told many people who are traveling that if you're a re- regular traveler, you should have a portable nebulizer of some kind to go along with you on your journey because you may find yourself with COVID in a hotel room or in a foreign state or in a foreign city. So Nurse Michelle felt like she was um, prepared because I had what was necessary for what I thought was the biggest concern, which was COVID, right? I wasn't counting on a major accident, breaking my hip and finding myself inside of a hospital under hospital policies and protocols. And I suppose we can all say that none of us ever quite count on having an accident because that's why they're called accidents after all. But here I was, Nurse Michelle, with plenty of opinions. And I was nervous about my circumstances because this is a highly vaccinated state because of all the mandates that were so pressured upon the people. And I was about to go into a major surgery for a potential hip replacement, which can have significant blood loss. And I was going to hear more about that from the surgeon. So I started reaching out to what I believed were some credible resources for getting clean blood supply, because I did not want to get blood that was potentially vaccinated donors blood. And whether you have an opinion that feels like that's discriminatory or not, Likewise, I have an autonomous opinion, and I did not want my body to uh, be potentially negatively adversely affected by spike protein that could be in the blood of the donor blood. And this is something that several companies are working on. And one of them is Unjected, which is actually a dating site that um, allows people who are looking for companions that they want to potentially marry and make children with. Um, not being among the vaccinated blood pool. So I will leave a link in my show notes for everybody to who's out there who's single, who's looking for love. And if you're looking for love and want to find hope for a relationship among the unvaccinated, Unjected is doing what they can to do that. But they're also making available opportunities for blood donations among the unvaccinated, sperm and um, ovary, not ovary, um, embryo donations as well that will be available for people who are infertile, who are looking for donations that are outside of the vaccinated blood pool. So here I was, the patient in agony of pain, needing to figure out my blood supply problem. And let me tell you from experience, it is not where you want to be. You want to solve this in advance. Okay. So I'm going to have those links for you in the bio for how you can go ahead and get some information about how you can store up your blood. But I was talking to the surgeon about what's called cell salvaging, where during the surgery, they will actually save your own blood. And in the event that you do have to have a transfusion, any blood that you lost during the surgery is actually being preserved so that it can actually be given back to you. So that is one of the easy buttons. But in my case, the risk was that if I suddenly had a hemorrhage or a bad bleed during the surgery, I I was only getting my diagnosis by 10 p.m. at night, and I was going to be having my surgery before 10 a.m. the next morning. So all businesses were closed at 10 p.m., on even on a work day. And even though I, I knew the people to reach out to, it wasn't something I could solve. So I knew I was in a Twix, and I was just praying to Jesus that um, I would not be a person that was going to require blood when the surgeon did tell me the name of the surgery that I was going to have to have, 
even having to have any kind of surgery obviously is something I don't want to have to do, but, and I, trust me, I was the runner girl saying, oh no, I, I just need to get in my car and drive to the airport four hours away in Boston. And I'm going to fly home to Georgia, 22 hours away and um, drive an hour home. And I'm going to deal with my doctors when I get home. And I needed a serious reality check because I was delusional thinking that I was not going to further harm myself. It was just this desperate need to um, get out of the situation. So I started reaching out to Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Brian Artis, and Dr. Ben Marble, and Dr. Ben Benulis, some doctors who I respect, and said, please tell me there's a freedom doctor somewhere up here in Maine that I can reach out to that can oversee my care, that can give me some confidence that I'm talking to somebody who has you know, coming from the same worldview that I am. And sadly, I wasn't able to find anyone to help me. So I was alone uh, with my family, of course, that was up there. But when it came to the medical community, I was left with trusting the Lord and having to trust the circumstances I was in. And I'm thankful to say that the trauma surgeons that did come in, the trauma orthopedic surgeons that came in, gave this nurse the confidence I needed to be able to just submit to the plan to have what was called a, I think it was a closed uh, percutaneous penning of my hip where they were going to screw three uh, titanium screws into the ball that basically the crushed area of the neck of my femur into the head of the femur and stabilize it so that it will have a chance to heal well. And they did tell me that there was a chance of about 10 to 15% chance that blood flow to the head of the femur could be diminished to the point that over the weeks ahead during my recovery, I could have what's called necrosis of that ball, the head of the femur, and end up still in a full not maybe a full, but a partial hip replacement, which is a much more serious surgery. And honestly, I wish that he hadn't even said it to me because I'm kind of that worst case scenario girl who already thinks like that. And I didn't need anything else to think about at that time. So anyways, I got put to the floor and this hospital sadly still does semi-private rooms. But on the good side, I made a new friend uh, on the other side of the curtain, had a 76-year-old Um, patient who was also a hip replacement patient who had had a long history of significant medical issues. So we bonded me as a 56-year-old and her as a 76-year-old through the curtains, not getting to see each other about our journey through hip surgery and recovery. And actually, we both were able to advocate for each other on a few occasions as well. So if you don't know this, during the 2021 vast mass mandate of vaccine mandates and mass mandates, we lost the largest number of medical professionals in the history of this country. They walked away from their jobs, they retired, or they just said no, they they let themselves get fired and are now pursuing litigation against those facilities that, that fired them. But the consequences, I have spoken about it on my Instagram platform um, on multiple occasions, and perhaps here as well, that this is not a time that you sign up for elective surgeries when you have significant staffing shortages in the hospitals. So 
you only want to be in a hospital if you have to be in a hospital right now. And it may sound unfair to the nurses that are out there saying, hey, we're out here doing the best we can with those shortages. Yes, that is true. But the ultimate reality is, is that when there's not enough nurses to go around, and the patients are pushing their pain button lights and their beepers are going off and they have complaints and their food isn't correct and everything that can go wrong with just one single patient. And that nurse has more patients than she should have. The care of the patient quality care has diminished and the risks for that patient having more complications or injury of course, goes up. And before this mass exodus of medical professionals, America already had as the third leading cause of death um, was medical error. So needless to say, Nurse Michelle was fully aware of the danger that I was actually in. And the majority of the nurses that actually ended up caring for me while I was in the hospital were travel nurses. And travel nurses come at a much higher price than your local nurses who come from the community. And the reason being is because they have been flown here to another state to be able to make up for the gaps in missing personnel. And um, I'm not sure if it's accurate to say that they may get paid five times more than the local people are getting paid, but their housing is often covered, their gas sometimes is covered back and forth to work, and even their utilities for their housing, That and their housing is usually fully furnished as well. So it's really a great um, setup for people. My daughter, who just graduated nursing school, was real attracted to it because it was a great way to gain some wealth as a new graduate. But um, these nurses were wonderful nurses, but the reality is, is it, they don't know the doctors in the community. They don't know their ups and downs or their little um, nuances that uh, the local nurses would definitely know. So it is to the disadvantage, I hate to say, to you as a patient in the hospital, if you have found yourself in a situation where you have mostly travel nurses taking care of you. And it did prove to be the case for me because delayed medications, things that actually I begged for multiple times never came to me and I never got them all the way to my checkout. And Nurse Michelle confronts these kind of things. And on the second half of the show, I'm going to tell you about some of those things so that you can be prepared if you find yourself in the same situation Nurse Michelle found herself in so that you do not um, have the same battles to fight or you're more prepared for the battles to fight. So before we break, I just want to remind you to go to the americaoutloud.shop where you will find the cofix uh, iodine, 1% iodine, nasal and oral cleanse. And they actually have a 1.25% nasal and oral cleanse. So be sure to make sure that you have 1% iodine in your family, that all your high-risk family members have that in your home. Do not travel without it. Do not um, go into high-risk great concerts and wonderful places without it. Um, enjoy the freedom that comes with believing that you know, you're not going to be driven by fear, but have your iodine nasal spray and throat spray. And you can find that in the americaoutloud.shop. It's time and How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, 
we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. America Out Loud News is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud with Nurse Michelle. We ended with my harrowing journey to the hospital with a broken hip after a canoeing accident. And now I was awaiting my surgery on October 3rd, the morning of 10 hours after I found out that I did have a crushed bone into my femur 
the ball of my femur. So um, the morning of the surgery, I was just literally having to have faith that I was outside of my ability to control things as a control freak and that this was completely something I had to just leave in the hands of the Lord to trust that my hands were in the hands of these surgeons and that God was going to direct those surgeons to not do anything harmful to me and hopefully no blood loss. So thankfully, I did end up waking up in the recovery room with only the 20 minute easy peasy surgery, just like he expected it to go with less than five milliliters of blood loss, no need for a transfusion or any of the worrisome things that I had concerned myself with. So I was very thankful and fortunate for that. And um, when I was in the recovery area, I met the hospitalist for the first time and he and I discussed risks for me and the need for what's called um, pneumatic compression socks where they're actually like battery operated and they squeeze your lower calves to make sure you don't have blood clots. So all hip surgery patients are considered high risk for blood clots. And Dr. Peter McCullough had said to me, you know, he knows I have a blood clotting disorder um, that I'm a, I'm a risk for a blood clot before I even have a hip surgery. So I was expecting to have those pneumatic socks on me and they were not there. So he told me he was going to get them. And long story short, I would end up in my entire recovery, never getting them and not even getting Ted hose until the last day in the hospital. So that definitely put some serious risk on me and my most worrisome, fearful thing that could happen would be a blood clot. Um, was not being protected again. So that was really troubling. But one of the most interesting things that happened was as I'm being wheeled out of recovery, I'm notified that uh, a COVID outbreak has happened in the hospital and that all patients and staff now have to wear masks. So as they were attempting to wheel me to my room, they attempted to mask me. And I said, no, we're not going to be masking me. And um, I said, that just won't be happening. I've already used my iodine nasal spray and throat spray before I went in surgery, and I'll be doing it as soon as I get to my room. So when I got to my room, um, there was apparently a need to bring in a couple of nurses to remind the patient that there was a policy in order and that I needed to comply. And if you're not a nurse yourself or a medical person, this would have been a pretty intimidating moment for your average patient. I mean, I just came out of surgery. I am in pain. I need medication and I'm groggy from anesthesia. I was just under a general anesthesia. So to have, you know, three or four nurses kind of come at me and say, well, this is the policy. You're going to have to do it. And I'm like, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, it really doesn't matter how many, which ways you say it, because I know that the hospitals in the country that are looking out for their staff are making sure that they have 1% iodine nasal spray and throat spray in the event of an outbreak like you're having right now. And honestly, I'm used to taking care of COVID patients and my job is to help keep them out of the hospital. I know what I would do to help keep these people out of the hospital. They're here and I would um, want them on the protocol of nasal spray gargles and some anti-infectives as well that some brave doctors would recommend them. And I, I worry that whatever your policies are with them are putting them more at risk, but I don't have COVID and I assume you don't have COVID. So I'm not worried about getting COVID because I'm protecting myself. And it doesn't matter who you bring in here. I'm not going to change my mind. 
And so they did. They brought in the nurse manager who did attempt to remind me of what the policy was. And I said, I'm really sorry that you live in a state where your governor has bullied all of you. I know this is not what you all want. You don't want to have to wear an N95 mask all day. But I happen to know the industrial hygienists who are the authorities on these topics. And I know that us nurses aren't the authorities on these masks. We're only taught how to don them, when to don them, and how to undon them. And now you have, you know, your situation where you're being forced to do this. And I'm sorry that your health is being compromised because it is. And you're rebreathing your carbon dioxide. And I have about 150 studies that support my claim, but I won't be wearing one. So you can bring whoever you want to in here. The story's not changing. And they said, well, if your husband doesn't wear a mask when we're in here, we'll kick him out. And I'll be honest with you, Nurse Michelle was like, bring it. Okay, just do, just kick him out. Uh, Just give us a reason to call up some of these wonderful lawyers, bulldog lawyers, and see um, what what happens with that. So anyways, um, that story ended, but you know, a patient has already been told that you're breaking policy. Um, I I asked them all, I said, I assume you're all vaccinated being Being that you had such a mass exodus of employees because of your um, vaccine mandate. I assume you're all vaccinated. And they said, yes. I said, well, you know, it either worked or it didn't, right? And either it's protecting you or it, or it didn't. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that it didn't help you. And I'm sure most of you've had COVID and you recognize it too. So I hope you aren't going to be getting any more vaccines. And I just really just did my spiel on them. And I think they realized that it was, I was a lost cause for getting me to comply. So once they left me alone with that, I was left to pain management, right? So I am very anti-antibiotics, so I had no choice but to have three rounds of NSF to be protected for this surgery that was going to be somebody drilling into my bones, right? He said he wanted to make sure there was antibiotic in my blood before he cut a single thing on me. So I reached out to two of the natural path doctors that I respect, Dr. Robert Scott Bell, who I've had on the show discussing the therapeutic benefits of copper and silver, he suggested a few things to help me in my recovery process, ways to restore my gut microbiome that was obviously going to take a hit from the ANSEF being given to me, but also ways to manage pain. And one of them was using a local use of sovereign silver or Argentine 23 gel at the incision or pin sites to retard any potential infection and speed the healing along. But he also suggested comfrey poultice over the bone fracture breaks and homeopathic symphytum, I don't know if I'm saying it right, S-Y-M-P-H-Y-T-U-M, to speed recovery and bone growth, and also taking sovereign copper 15 milliliters orally three times a day. Um, And I also reached out to Dr. Ben Benoulis, who helped me through becoming a vegan this year. And he said that even just eating the fruits and vegetables will help feed the microbiome back to life. And that eating things that are fermented like sauerkraut and things like that and kombucha can also be a benefit. And he gave me some resources in my state to getting a good physical therapist, which brings me to another point that I'll bring up in just a moment. So um, there is, uh, they kept wanting to just give me, you know, the narcotics and I was trying to avoid them. So they want to give you high doses of Tylenol. So I took a moment with the um, hospitalist whom I did not enjoy And I reminded him that there are more deaths by Tylenol, you know, than ivermectin. And he says, ivermectin? I said, yeah, you remember the horse pill that you were probably not allowed to give anybody in your hospital and those COVID patients down the hall? Yeah, that that 
ivermectin's killed less people than Tylenol, so I'd rather just stick with ibuprofen and something that doesn't have Tylenol in it. And if you didn't know that, um, Tylenol is actually responsible for 56,000 emergency department visits, 2,600 hospitalizations, and 500 deaths per year in the United States. And uh, acetaminophen, which is the generic name for Tylenol, is linked to more deaths than any other over-the-counter pain reliever and is the reason why uh, liver transplantation worldwide is actually happening is because of Tylenol. So don't underestimate the dangers of Tylenol. Um, So anyways, I have discovered that 15 minutes of grounding, putting your feet flat on the ground barefooted on dirt and grass for 15 minutes is actually well documented um, to help injury repair. And it really does make a big benefit. And I can tell you that as I'm in recovering, just doing that for 15 minutes, I actually walk better. Now I'm also using the ASEA gel that's called Renew 28 that you can get in the americaoutloud.shop. And if you have aches and pains or arthritic hands or really any kind of wound or problem in your body, you should be rubbing it on there. If you are a rheumatoid arthritis patient or really struggle with arthritic pain, I would encourage you to get yourself a tube of the ASEA Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel and let Nurses Out Loud know what you think about how successful it is. But there is some good science on just grounding, and I have experienced that. And I will tell you that athletes do this to help with chronic inflammatory and autoimmune diseases. Sometimes they'll do that right before they even perform athletically. And I'll leave a citation for you all in my show notes that supports that claim from the NIH. So when I got back home, you know, the journey didn't go so bad. Um, The last few moments of my hospitalization did involve student nurses, and I had already let a student nurse give me my Lovenox injection for blood thinning. And I have a significant bruise to this day from that, that when I was checking out and somebody mistakenly took away my IV before I got my last IV uh, drug for my trip, they had to restart it. And they said, oh, will you let a student nurse do that? I said, not today. Today, not, no, Nurse Michelle wants the very person who is really skilled, just get it in, give me the drugs, I got to get out of here. So I had a really good trip back. I tolerated the flight well, and I was so glad to get at my in my own bed and get to rest without, you know, a hundred interruptions, which is so counterintuitive to the recovery of patients in hospitals. It's just unbelievable. You know, the food errors that happen that people don't even get the food they're supposed to get, medications coming at all different kinds of hours of the day and maid service coming in. Uh, why medical community do we still have this problem? Why why can we not allow patients to have successful rest while they're in the hospital? So thankful to get home to my house. And the new battle that faced me was there was only one work day left and that was Friday. And I had to get in as many calls as I could to my general practitioner to set up physical therapy and making sure that a surgeon is set up to see me because I was told that I had to be seen within 14 days of my surgery. And what did I run into? The same thing, sadly, that many of you have run into, but you're not used to going to war over patient advocacy like I am. And I will tell you, it is so hard to be the person in pain, suffering. I mean, I can't even take a deep breath because of the rib injury. Um, Walking is painful. Sleeping is painful. Everything is painful. And the patient has no choice but to do everything to solve it all for themselves. Because sadly, my GP had not got on the ball and gotten the medications 
um, set up yet. They had to see me first. I had to wait till Monday to do that. And then also found out that the orthopedic surgeon that was going to take over my care refused to even make an appointment for a new patient unless they had in their hands the copy of my preoperative, intraoperative, and postoperative notes from the surgeon that did the surgery. And I cannot even begin to tell you how many people just said the words, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we can't do that for you. You're going to have to get those notes. I'm sorry, we're not allowed to share all of your medical record. And I said, I just want you to understand something that when you say I'm sorry, it's really a cop out way of saying I refuse to help you. I am the patient. I do not need an I'm sorry. I need you to hear what I'm saying to you, that your policy is getting in the way of my ability to gain access to quality care. If it takes, if anybody messes up in this chain of events of getting these operative notes to this surgeon, and they were not even willing to put me on the calendar, then I would be the one that would not be seen by medical care at the appropriate time, right? So I just felt that desperate plea of the of the patient. And really, as a nurse, I realized the gravity of what they actually were doing to me by refusing to let me have um, just the privilege of having my own appointment set up. I'm like, could you just set it up for the 17th of November? That's the two week mark. Just put me on the calendar so that I don't pay the price because of anybody else's incompetencies. I'm sorry, ma'am, but that's against our policy. Well, the reason you know Nurse Michelle today is because Mich Michelle recognized that it was policies by the NIH and other governing medical authorities that were actually getting in the way of my ability to recover from COVID in 2020. And the reason why many of you suffered um, and now are long haul COVID injured patients. So um, I also had to worry about getting myself a handicap tag because I cannot actually walk very long distances. So that is some crazy things that just happened to the patients um, having a power of attorney already written would be a good thing for all of you. One of them needs to say things like, I do not want any student nurses or doctors doing any surgeries on me or being involved in my care. Make sure that's on your um, care plan. There's other people who will be happy to let the students learn on them, but I'm a high-risk patient and had no interest whatsoever in that happening for me. Michelle was not the one to learn on that day. And recognize that if you're a person that owns a medical facility or you're the manager of a medical facility, that the policies cannot trump the patient's needs or their care. And, and I'm sorry, just will not suffice because what it came down to is one wonderful person today said to me on day seven post-op, so I'm only seven days away from needing an appointment now. It's taken that much time one person said, actually, all we need you to do is call the surgeon who did it and call the surgeon that you want to have the paperwork and have them call us and we will give it to them immediately. You do not even have to fill out a records release. And I'm like, are you serious? That's that simple. Why in the world did somebody not tell me on the first day back, right? I am after all the patient that's suffering. So I'm so thankful for the people who are competent in their jobs and actually see that they're in a service industry that you're dealing with people who are suffering. And if you're coming to an orthopedic surgeon, 
you've got some suffering going on. You've got pain going on. You've got pain med management going on and you need somebody to advocate for you. I mean, I'm injecting myself every day with Lovenox to make sure I don't have a blood clot. It might be a good idea to see me, you know? and oversee my care. So it is quite tragic that this is an ongoing problem. It is tragic that we are facing mask mandates. And I'll go ahead and put inside of my show notes for anybody who's facing mask mandates right now. If you are a nurse or a medical professional working in an institution that's attempting to do that to you, the answer is no. I will not comply. I'm going to fill out a religious exemption and you can go to this link that I provide that will help you have the right words to confront the ridiculousness of this mandate. And you will be able to hopefully get yourself the ability to have the right to breathe because we at Nurses Out Loud want to make sure that you can breathe because we actually do care about your health. Unlike your employer who may be mandating that and needs to apparently read some Um, science from the actual specialist called industrial hygienists who are the ones who are the mask specialists. I will have a link for you in my show notes to 150 citations, scientific studies showing the inefficacy and the harms of masks. So you'll have that one. And then a wonderful podcast called Just Think Podcast. They recently did a an, an article to help you get your exemptions from masks on their Substack, And I'll put that link as well in my show notes for you so that you are weaponized. I want you to all be brave. Remember, courage is rare. But we want you to be courageous and have that courage because this is what it takes. I mean, we see so many things happening in the world right now. I don't really want to deal with other nurses. We'll be discussing this week what's going on in Israel and Palestine and the the things that are being said about the risk to us here in America, that there may be um, scary things coming our way. So we at Nurses Out Loud want to focus on making sure that you're prepared for illnesses that come your way. Know that there are wonderful um, doctors on this platform that are speaking 24-7, and they have wonderful products in the store that are natural-based products that keep you out of the pharmaceutical complex and with drugs that have more complications. So we want you to stock up on the things that you need in your home. You can go to Nurse Michelle's website called Advocacy with Michelle, with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E.com. And you can download my uh, treat COVID at home basket list. And it's pretty exhaustive of all the things like the medical equipment you need in your home. Uh, everybody needs a nebulizer. Everybody needs thermometers and blood pressure cuffs and things like that. And literally just, you know, get yourself a little crate and fill it up with the supplies that you need so that you're prepared. And if you're getting ready to travel, I'll also give you a link to Immune Mist that is putting out a new travel one-time use. It is like 90 hours of essential oils that you can nebulize on a trip that will be very beneficial for you through a respiratory virus if you find yourself sick on a trip. We also you know, want to be storing up in our home the other necessities that people are talking to us about, water, batteries, 
food and other necessities in the event of harms. And if you're like my dad, you know, you make sure you have plenty of weapons and ammo as well. So if you're one of those people out there, you make I'm sure you're already making sure that you have that yourself. So I want you to be ready to fight these mandates. Um, I want you to recognize that Nurses Out Loud is we are patient advocates and there are ways that you can actually employ us if you need to, to help advocate for you. Um, if you're in the hospital or if somebody you love is in the hospital and you need some advice on what to advocate for and how to fight for those things and recognize that post-op patients have needs. And I'm really thankful for the church community that I'm in. They have been feeding me since we have come home. Every time I turn around, there's somebody else ringing the doorbell and bringing some food or flowers or something yummy for our family because the mama is not doing so well right now. And I am thankful for um, the knowledge that I've been given from so many of these doctors that are on this platform that are helping me. I'm so far seven days in not using any narcotics. I do have a prescription for one. It did me good to know that I have it in the event that I have unmanageable pain, hoping that does not become the case. So far, I'm able to manage it with just ibuprofen and the ASEA Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel. It is literally, my Nurse Michelle's words would be like a miracle gel, what it can do so quickly. Um, and people have used it for so many other medical conditions. There are so many things that you could use it for. And we can provide you a link to listen to some of the testimonies of the miracle benefits that people have had with this. And that's why we picked it as a sponsor for Nurses Out Loud, because we believe it's something that everyone could use because it's not only natural, it's native to your body. Your body already makes it, but every decade of life, it makes less and less of it. So we want you to be able to have the healing that you used to have when you were young. And if you're among the vaccine injured or people that are suffering because you have long haul, because people didn't provide early treatment modalities for you when you had COVID and now your body is inflamed, we would love for you to look at the ASEA liquid supplement that is the cell signaling supplement. You would take two ounces in the morning and two ounces in the evening. But if you've got some serious stuff going on, we can um, put you in contact with a medical person that can guide you to how much you should be doing. Because as I'm recovering from this hip surgery, I'm not just doing two ounces in the morning and two ounces in the evening. I'm doing 10 ounces or more a day because I need my body um, at its optimum trying to recover what's the trauma that's been done to my muscles and my bone, right? Because I've got three new screws as part of my new body parts. And I'm not real thrilled about that because I had just started dancing and enjoying different kinds of dance and um, was enjoying group dances and things like that. And I want my freedom back. I want my hips to be able to move like they were before. And I want the fitness that I have enjoyed this summer by swimming um, to be regained and not lose the ground that I had gained over this last summer. And I encourage all of you to be finding a way to find help for yourself because how important it is that you, perhaps the caretaker of your family does have health so that you can take care of the family members in your family. If you're among the people that are doing the best you can to follow your calling and try and find what you believe God has for you to do on this earth and you're working hard to do it, 
you may appreciate the quote that Dr. Robert Scott Bell sent to me and he posted recently on his platform, which was the following words that I really needed to hear. Maybe you do as well. Very often when you find that mission from God, you just grab on and go tunnel vision and you forget that you have a physical body, a temple that you reside in while you are here. You are a divine spark of God. Even if you are on mission and purpose and point, there is only so much you can do when you ignore the body, when you violate the basic principles of how to care for it. And I honestly really needed to hear that because I'm one of those people who just goes 100%. And I think a lot of the people that have been working in the wellness and medical freedom community since 2020 have really been pouring ourselves into people and doing as much as we can to help people really all over the world as best we can. And in doing that, it's very satisfying, but you have a body also and you need to take care of it. So recognize that America Out Loud is doing what we can to make sure that there are products for you that are good for your body, healthy for you, and going to help you be the best optimal person that you can be so that you can fulfill the calling that you have here on this earth to be the best person you can be so that you can fulfill that mission to the fullest. We are in a battle for truth. When you hear helpful, useful information here on America Out Loud and Nurses Out Loud, we want you to make the effort to share that content, whether it be to your social media feeds or in text or to personal friends and people within your community. The resources that we offer can be found within our articles we publish each week. You can access the show notes of any of the nurses and any of the shows on americaoutloud.news by simply going to americaoutloud.news, choose the shows option at the top of the menu, and look up the individual person who has told you to go to their show notes. And you should be able to find the title of the article you're looking for, and within that article, access the valuable links provided for you. May we all do what we can to share the knowledge we are learning from each other here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm hoping to come to you next week with a wonderful report from my two-week surgeon follow-up that I am hopefully doing much better with less pain and becoming free of my dependency on a walker. Prayers are greatly appreciated during my recovery period. Until next week. It's time in this world.